Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Today I'm going to take a little turn from our regular broadcasting. You usually hear us talk about the issues of Islam and how it's facing our nation. But uh, we also want to talk about the needs of strengthening our nation for God. We used to be a godly nation. We used to have God-fearing men who led us and framed our government. But we've departed from those days. And as I've been saying for some time now, that if we don't repent and turn from our ways in the direction that we're going which is a direction in rebellion against God, against the things of God and his precepts, if we continue in that direction, then we're going to have God's wrath. Not because he is vengeful, not because he's a person of wrath, rather he's a person of love, and because he loves us, he disciplines us. And therefore, he desires for us to repent and turn back to him because of his love for us. And so... Uh, Let me share with you some things that I've enjoyed from William Federer's book. He's written a a number of good books, one great book on everything that America should know about Islam. But uh, recently he wrote this book, Who is the King in America? And basically he's dealing with the government of this nation and how it was God-centered. And he opens his book with a very interesting um, opening. And he's talking about how America has lost its memory. John F. Kennedy said, history, after all, is the memory of a nation. Uh, Schlesinger, a Pulitzer Prize winner there in the New York Times, uh, wrote, history is to the nation as memory is to an individual. If you lose your memory, if you lose your understanding of the past, you you won't know what's valuable. A person who's lost his memory You can easily take things from that person because they have forgotten the value of things. And unfortunately, here in America, we have lost our history, lost our memory on these things. And people are trying to rewrite our history, to write God out. And it's very apparent that uh, that we have very strong Christian roots. And this book very well lays it out. John Jay, who was U.S. Supreme Court Justice, one of our first, wrote in in 1777, Will it not appear extraordinary that 13 colonies should immediately become one people? And though without funds, without magazines, without disciplined troops, in the face of their enemies unanimously determined to be free and undaunted by the power of Britain, refer to their cause as the just cause of the Almighty and resolve to repel force by force, thereby presenting to the world an illustrious example of magnanimity and virtue scarcely to be paralleled. I mean, think of it. We as a non-nation took on the most, one of the most powerful nations in the world in the hope of our freedom And we did it because we felt we had the justice of the Almighty on our side. And I think it's apparent that uh, we did have just that. But we didn't get everything right when we started out. And this is important that you understand. When the colonies began, um, they began to adopt 
the very same religious principles from the nations that they were trying to escape from. They began to impose their religious practices and denomination on those who lived in their colony. Massachusetts was a Puritan colony and would not tolerate anything else other than the Puritans. The Rhode Island, Rhode Island was a Baptist colony. There's something different about them, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Connecticut was a congregational, uh, so was New Hampshire. The Dutch Reformed settled in New York. The Lutherans and Dutch Reformed settled in Delaware. Pennsylvania became Quaker and Lutheran. New Jersey became Lutheran and Dutch Reformed. Virginia and the southern colonies were the Anglicans. Catholics were in Maryland. North Carolina uh, is where the Anglicans, as well as South Carolina, uh, were established. And Georgia became a Protestant uh, colony, although these weren't part of the colonies of, of the 13 original colonies. Spanish Florida was Catholic. And so there became a situation, especially in Pennsylvania, if you were not a Quaker or a Lutheran, but a Baptist trying to propagate uh, biblical doctrine and truth there, then you would be beaten and expelled or maybe even thrown in jail for preaching if you were not a Quaker. And so these things were going on in the early colonies. Uh, so freedom of religion really was not uh, something that was practiced in the colonies. And sadly, most of America is not aware of this history. And I find this book very helpful in laying out some of that history. But here's what's interesting. A man by the name of Thomas Hooker, a preacher, had a disagreement with a Puritan, Reverend John Cotton, over who could be allowed to vote. So if you weren't of a certain religious faith in these colonies, some people weren't even allowed to vote in that uh, colonial government. And there was a debate. And Thomas Hooker took this issue that anyone who was Christian had the right to vote. You didn't have to be a Puritan to vote. You could be a Congregationalist. You could be a Quaker. You could be a Catholic. You could be um, a Protestant, an Anglican. It didn't matter that everyone should have the right to vote as long as they were Christians. So Reverend Hooker uh, took his church out of this uh, Puritan colony and set themselves up in Massachusetts, in Hartford. And this became the first Congregationalist church in America. Now, he preached a message on May 31, 1638. And he took for his text Deuteronomy 1, 13. Choose you wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them heads over your captains, over thousands, captains over hundreds, fifties, tens. Of course, this is the instruction that um, Moses was receiving from his father-in-law in advice of how to set up government there for the uh, Hebrew children as they were trying to govern themselves as they came out of Egypt. And the principle that God was giving to man is that the choice of those who would be public magistrates, those who would govern, 
that that power belongs to the people by God's own allowance instead of that authority resting in a divinely appointed king. And so what he was preaching was not a top-down government, which is what has ruled the world for many years, an appointed king, a divine appointment of a king, but rather that it was a bottom-up, that it was the people that would rule. This is how Connecticut has become known as the constitutional state. This is the very first written constitution known in history where the people ruled was developed in, in Connecticut and largely given credit to Thomas Hooker. Now, what I thought was interesting is that Thomas Hooker was born in England and he lived, get this, he lived about 10 miles from where I grew up and ministered for a large portion of my time in England. I didn't know that. And I thought that was very interesting. There's a plaque uh, there at the school that he attended. The Puritan clergyman, Thomas Hooker, attended, uh, was reputed father of American democracy. And so let me, let me continue here. He used, as I said, this text in Deuteronomy 1.13. And this became one of the founding principles for giving the power of government to the people. Now, let me move on to the Baptists. Now, I'm a Baptist preacher, and you don't hear on my broadcast me beating the Baptist drum a whole lot, okay? But let me mention this. Bear with me, if you would, because the Baptists had a tremendous effect upon the laws that came into our government. Let me try to quickly do this justice. Calvin Coolidge, on the 150th anniversary of the United States, in his speech on uh, the Declaration of Independence, he gave the speech on July the 5th. He said, the principles which went into the Declaration of Independence are found in the sermons of the early colonial clergy who were earnestly undertaking to instruct their congregations in the great mystery of how to live. And there's an article that came out on July the 4th in 1826. The editor is a Christian watchman from Boston, Massachusetts, and he published an account about Thomas Jefferson and the effect that a Baptist minister and his church had upon Thomas Jefferson. Let me read this to you. Andrew Treble was the pastor of a small Baptist church which held its monthly meetings at a short distance from Mr. Jefferson's house, eight or ten years before the American Revolution. Mr. Jefferson attended the meetings of the church for several months in succession, and after one of them asked Elder Treble to go home and dine with him, in which he complied. Mr. Treble asked Mr. Jefferson how he was pleased with their church government. Mr. Jefferson replied, that it had struck him with great force and had interested him much that he considered it the only form of pure democracy that then existed in the, in the world and had concluded that it would be the best plan of government for the American colonies. Now this he confessed to a Baptist preacher after listening to his preaching on government. And Calvin Coolidge remarked on this in his address on the 150th anniversary of the United States on July 
um, uh, July the 4th, 1926. He says, this preaching, preached in the neighborhood of Thomas Jefferson, who acknowledged that his best ideas of democracy had been secured at church meetings. And, and of course, these were Baptist meetings, and I found that quite interesting. I, I knew that the Baptists had tremendous impact upon our church framers, but I didn't have those details, and so I thought that was interesting. But the point that I really want to drive home to you, our listeners here, is that we were formed, the, the principles of our government were first formed in the pulpits of America. But the pulpits of America have become silent and filled rather with cowards instead of people with courage. And folks, we've got to stop dancing on the boulevard of truth and rejoicing that we have the truth here. That's great. That's fine. But we need to mosey on down the boulevard of truth and come to the road of courage and to have the courage to fight for these truths and to stand upon them and proclaim them and to wrest them back from this secular humanism that we've allowed to sweep into our nation and that is bringing us into a continued rebellion against God. And if we don't, we're going to lose our voice and lose our democracy, lose our freedom, because they want to take it away. It's time to stop shaking our heads in bewilderment and start standing and preaching the truth once again. Thank you for listening. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.